Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Earth, Wind, and Fire, the artist of the day, Steve. This is called Let's Groove. Uh, it's another Earth, Wind, and Fire song that sounds like all the same, and they're still great. They are great. Yeah. There it is. There's the kicker. They start a lot of their songs with the title of the song. That's what I'm now learning today about Earth, Wind, and Fire. They found a, a formula that works. And they stuck to it. And they decided to stick with it. That's, you know, that's good business. Platinum over and over. I like it. All right, Stephen Fonte, uh, Brian Higgins with you here on Orange Nation. Uh, Paulie on his way back from Louisville. Uh, he should be back here in studio tomorrow. And uh, as promised, we go to our guest line to bring on our, our final guest today, uh, sports director, WROC in Rochester, good friend of the program, uh, Thad Brown joining us. And uh, Thad, I know it's been, uh, I'm sure, a very difficult uh, several days uh, for you covering the story and um, I guess let's let's start with the the latest on the condition um, uh, of Demar Hamlin, and and if there is anything new, we saw you know some some cautious optimism from the family over the night, saying that there was uh, you know some steps in the right direction with his breathing and, and some of the testing that the doctors have done. What what is the latest uh, from from what you can tell? Yeah, the the, the morning report with um, Coley Harvey, who had talked to uh, Jordan Rooney, um, a member of. Uh, Hamlin's marketing team, that doctors had seen progress they wanted to see overnight. There really not many details, but, you know, it seemed like that the things that doctors wanted to happen or hoped would happen um, were happening. So, you know, I think the, the overall, we, uh, we talked with um, Dorian Glenn, who is uh, Hamlin's uncle last night, and one of the things he said is that when Hamlin was first brought to the hospital, uh, his uh, lungs were being 100% assisted by a ventilator. That number had gotten down to 50% as of last night, and getting the lungs to function on their own was a big priority for the doctors, a short-term priority. Um, beyond that, uh, Hamlin is still sedated, and they're going to keep him that way because they want his body only working on healing itself. They're not having to be awake and, and other stuff you, you know you engage in the body with if you're awake. So um, it seems like he's probably going to be you know uh, under sedation for quite a while here. All right, Thad, take us back to Monday if you could. And, you know, we've both been in this business for a while, and Brian as well, I mean, all three of us. And, uh, you know, we kind of get desensitized to injuries sometimes where somebody's down and you're like, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's going to be worked on, he's going to pop back up, and everything's going to be okay. Um, at what point did you realize that this was super serious? The, like, two minutes afterward, we started seeing the reaction of the players. You know, when, you know, when players are – like most time there's an injury, players know, but to get out of the way of the medical personnel and just kind of wait for the game to resume. The fact that the Bills players were not only gripped by what was happening in front of them, but also horrified, you know, you, you knew this was not going to be your run-of-the-mill injury. And then obviously when, when the whole organization, everybody in blue and red on the field, got around Hamlin to kind of shield the medical personnel from the eyes of the 70,000 people in the stands, you know, obviously at that point you, you knew this was going to be something that probably will never be, never happen again. Hopefully it will never happen again. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, you think about all the injuries that have happened in NFL games, you know, things that seem serious, things that really are serious. You know, not one of them have stopped the game. You knew five or ten minutes into this thing this game wasn't going to be played. I mean, they're just, it was, it was too um, distressing. It was too gut-wrenching. You know, it, it was just like a nightmare on that field. And 
um, there, there just was no way football was going to be continued. And the only hope was that whatever, you know, at the moment you don't know what, what exactly is wrong. Your hope that whatever is going on with DeMar Hamlin was going to end up with him, you know, obviously living, but, you know, being in a, in a good and positive place. And, you know, in the moment you're hoping maybe you get the thumbs up or he'll be okay. And, and the longer that the work, you know, uh, continued, um, very, you know, the guys, medical personnel, very involved, do working hard, you know, the more worried you got. And Thad, what did, that all started at, what was it, 8.45, 8.50, give or take, on Monday night. So you're down there on the sideline. Yeah, 8.55 actually was the moment because I was at a vigil last night where they had a moment of silence at the moment Hamlin went down. So 8.55 was the time he went down. Okay, so 8.55 on the sideline. I mean, it, from your perspective, you know, trying to track this thing around, you're in Cincinnati, you're not in your home base. Well, what was like the next 36 hours like for, for you trying to t- follow this whole thing as it uh, developed? Well, I mean, you know, like part of it, I've had a lot of people, a lot of people reach out, <clears throat> like people that know me now or people that used to work with me, old friends, whatever, just ask how I am doing. And, and you know, what I've been telling everybody is the next 36 hours were one work assignment after another. You know, there hasn't really been a, a moment to breathe. It's been, you know, in, in the next hour and a half after it happened, it's, you know, I'm on the sideline with a camera, so it's record what's happening, you know reactions, what players are doing, what what's happening on the field, and then it's, you know, trying to find out is the game going to continue, and then it's do a live report at 11, and then it was, you know, spent yesterday at the hospital. So, um, you know, it, it's been it's been one thing after another, and, and, you know, every moment of it, you're concerned only about how DeMar Hamlin is doing. And, and fortunately, you know, like I said, the update so far, the first 36 hours, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call them good, but certainly better than what the alternatives could have been, and, and that's that's the encouraging thing so far. As you said, everybody's got to be concerned about DeMar Hamlin right now and, and his well-being, and that is obviously the focus. Um, and so I don't want this question to come across as insensitive, but you know, from a football perspective, you know, we know the NFL spoke out yesterday and said this game will not be completed at any point this week. They haven't made a decision about what's going to happen with that game moving forward. And again, from a football perspective, it was a really important game. Um, do you have any insight, Thad, into into how this will be handled? And if you had to put maybe a percent chance on whether or not that game will actually be completed, and if it isn't completed, what, you know, how do they handle the whole seating and everything? Bring us up to date on the football part of this story. Yeah, you know, I say this. I don't. I don't think it's an insensitive question at all because look, it, it's not the number one thing, but it is a thing. It is a thing that's going to have to be and will be addressed. So. You know, talking about it isn't isn't you know crazy or anything, and, and you know this is going to be the the next important step for what the NFL is going to do. You know, my my gut feel right now is that I think they play this game again next Sunday. I think I don't know if they pick it up where they left off or just start over. But I, I, the, the thing is, there really is not a scenario this weekend where you can make this game irrelevant. You, you might get it down to where. The only thing on the line between Bills Bengals is who's the two seed and who's the three seed. Um, and maybe the, the league is waiting for that, and then they might deem that not important enough to replay the game. But for the most part, you know, it's either going to determine who wins the AFC North or who gets the one seed in, in the uh, AFC playoffs. So those are, you know, obviously both gigantic things from the NFL league point of view. And the only real solution that makes any sort of sense is to take the whole playoff, push it back a week play only or take only one week off between the conference championships and the Super Bowl and play this game by itself next Sunday in Cincinnati, probably at like one o'clock. And, and yeah, we you know does it create imbalances because 
you know, the, the loser of that game, if not both teams, are not going to get a week off or everybody else in the playoffs does. Yeah, but look, there's, there's going to be no perfect solution. And, you know, all of this discussion that I just had is assuming that all the games this weekend get played which I can't sit here and tell you is a guarantee because I don't know what state of mind the, the, the Bills are in. I don't know if they're going to be you know, ready to play a game. I think they will, but it, you know, nothing right now is a certainty you know, in the next 24 hours, let alone expecting 10 to 14 days out. And you know, another part of this, too, is it's not just the Bills and the Bengals that were affected by this. Had this happened Sunday at 1 o'clock, you know, it would have been a big deal of that game, but all the rest of the NFL would have still gone on. There's been no NFL since DeMar Hamlin collapsed. I would think that every NFL player right now is a little more nervous about going back onto a field, even to a practice field, and doing what they normally do after seeing that you know, terrifying evening on Monday. So that there's going to be a lot of people affected in a lot of different ways, and, and to try and guess about how the NFL is going to handle scheduling games and seedings and all that, you know, it is a lot of guesswork right now. The one thing that we will know is that, look, the NFL will continue. There will be more of a season. There will be more games probably this weekend. Um, you know, and we'll see what the specific handling of Bills Bengals ends up to be. Yeah, Thad. I mean, you know, one of those some of those options you had in there would, would involve a, a significant amount of logistics to, to get this game in. I mean, just thinking about how here, like literally, the only thing that has ever stopped the NFL from playing a football week was a terrorist attack on the on the country with yeah. with nine eleven. Like to get this game in or to push the week back, like they can't logistically, you can't move the Super Bowl, so that everything works around it. Like, do you, do you think there are talks going on right now though? To bump all 12 playoff games back a week, which is a lot of TV and a lot of logistics and a lot of money because of this. Because you're right. I, I mean, that there might be a scenario where you, where you take the weekend off because the whole league is, is so shook up right now. Yeah, and I think, um, I think you know, the, the one thing that, that's okay here is that there really is nothing scheduled for the, the playoffs. I mean, there are wind, like, the only thing that actually is scheduled would be the conference championship window where both um, Fox and CBS would have the AFC and NFC window scheduled. The rest of the playoffs are kind of up in the air, so you can really take those first two weeks and feel like you're not ruining anything that's already scheduled because no one knew when anyone was going to play anyway. So it's probably minimal um, adjustment in terms of the postseason schedule. So to me, that, that makes there really are only two choices, in, in my opinion. Either you don't ever play the Bills-Bengals game, or you play it a week from Sunday and move the playoffs back. And, again, the only thing you really would ruin with that would be the scheduling of the conference championships. And with no football schedule the week after, I would think it would be pretty easy to insert those two broadcasts you know, in that Sunday before the Super Bowl without causing too much of a headache. You know, just sitting here talking about uh, the fact that the players might be too shook up to, to take the field, obviously that, that seemed to be the case Monday night, right? And, and we were getting conflicting reports that – um, you know, the NFL had told both teams they've got five minutes to warm up and they're going to start playing again. And there were reports out that, you know, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott basically decided between the two of them, our guys can't play. We're going back to the locker room. And then the league was forced to postpone the game. Do you have any insight into how that whole postponement, the temporary postponement, temporary suspension, whatever you want to call it? Do you have any insight into how that happened? Was it the NFL's call? Was it the players and coaches just saying, no, we're, we're not playing right now? But, so Zach Taylor actually just spoke to the media at 1 o'clock. He might still be going, I don't know. Um, but one of the things he did just say is that when he walked over to talk to Sean McDermott, McDermott said, I shouldn't be here coaching this game. I should be at the hospital with DeMar Hamlin. Now, from being on the field, 
you know, I can kind of piece together how this might have gone down. While Hamlin's being worked on on the field, McDermott is only concerned with his players, his guys. So that half-hour period where Hamlin goes down and then gets taken away in an ambulance, the Bills were kind of self-contained. They really didn't talk to the Bengals side that much. There was a conversation immediately after the ambulance went off the field, Jordan Foyer, Josh Allen, Sean McGrath, and head referee Sean Smith. And at that point, it looked like the game was going to continue. There was actually a point where the football was landing on the ground where T. Higgins had left off. There were no players on the field, but the ball was spotted as if, okay, we're going to play. After I noticed that, it was a few minutes after that where Zach Taylor had the first conversation with Sean McDermott, and seconds after that happened, that's when the game was stopped. When the players went off the field into the locker room, there was another conversation in the tunnel between McDermott, Sean Taylor, and the officials. And I know the officials were on the phone with the league office communicating. So, now look, who decided to do what? Who was the impetus? I think that I'm really getting frustrated with people trying to nitpick the NFL for how they handled it. Who cares? The NFL, at the end of the day, ended up in the right spot. Did they listen to the coaches? Probably. They should have been listening to the coaches. No one is more in tune with whether this game should continue than Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor. Who pushed what? Who was? I mean, the, the league is a machine. Yeah, I'm sure their first inclination was to keep playing the game because they never canceled a game before. Why would they think immediately they should cancel the game? After a few minutes of talking with the relevant parties, the league landed on the right spot. They made the right choice. It didn't take too long. It was 40 minutes after the ambulance had left the field when the game was canceled. This has never happened before. For people to not expect the NFL to have a, a ready-to-go game plan for what happens if a player has a cardiac arrest on the field is idiotic. And the fact that we're on Twitter debating this, to me, is one of the dumbest things that's come out of this. The NFL did the right thing. Yes, they probably listened to the coaches. Yes, Sean McDermott probably told them, we can't play. At the end of the day, the right thing was done. Uh, Thad, what what is your sense of what is going on in Buffalo uh, right now? Because uh, from my understanding, the team left what late night that night, very early uh, in the morning to go back to Buffalo. I, I believe they tweeted out today they're not doing any media, but they're doing um, you know a, a light walkthrough. And I'm just looking at their Twitter account a minute ago. They they tweeted this: Tomorrow remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement. Noted yesterday and overnight, he's expected to remain under intensive care as his health team continues to monitor and treat him, which is um, accurate but not really new information. So what, what is your sense of you know what's going on in that building right now? I'm sure guys are still pretty shook up. Um, you know, I will say that you know a walkthrough practice on a Wednesday after a Monday night game in Week 18, that really almost could have been pre-scheduled because this late in the year, the practices do get lighter and lighter and lighter. And, and you know, again, coming off a Monday game, they might have been doing a walkthrough anyway. It is unusual they're not talking to the media. That would be a, a thing you'd normally have to do. Um, uh, my tentative guess would be we would do all the media interviews or, or maybe some of them tomorrow, but, you know, even that's not for sure right now. Um, you know, I, I would think these guys are pretty, you know, like I said, shook up. They're, they've got to be affected by this. They're, they're human beings, you know, and, you know, in, in a lot of cases, you know, they see a guy like DeMar Hamlin more often they see their own family, you know. So this is someone who they're really tight with who, you know, some of them, you know, were on the field witnessing the emergency situation. I don't know how it doesn't affect them. You know, now look. These guys are also trained to compartmentalize. I mean, you, you can't be an NFL player and, and you know, exist and, and function, you know, in a world where everybody is writing and talking and blogging about whether you're the best or the worst. And you, you can't go on to a field and play if you're totally preoccupied with all that. So, 
this is another situation where I know it's terribly tragic and unusual, but they will have to compartmentalize, and, and you know they're generally pretty good at it. You know, moving on, it just it might take them a little longer, and it might take a little more counseling and effort and talking. You know, before they get to that spot where they're ready to play football again. Thad, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, is there anything else you want to get to? I mean, we didn't talk about his his charity and the GoFundMe page, and that's a whole other you know angle to this. That you know the. The people have rallied around him. I, the last I checked, more than $5 million have been raised for uh, his foundation. $6.4. $6.4 million. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's amazing. Is there anything else you want to touch on or you think that's important to get across to our listeners? Um, you know, one of the things that, that struck me, you know, after the game um, or after the, the game was stopped, you know, was uh, uh, how you know, outside the Bills locker room, um, a group of Bengals players led by Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, had come over and, and met the Bills outside their locker room. And there was a, a five- or ten-minute period where probably about a dozen guys, you know, were, were just kind of talking and hugging and shaking hands, and I'm sure a few prayers were said. And, it, you know, it's a good reminder that, you know, a lot of fans see this league only through the colored glasses of the team they root for or, you know, through the name on their fantasy team and how successful that guy is. And, you know, I see it every week, and I always think it's important to bring up that, you know, in this league, this is such a tight fraternity, you know, and, you know, in, in this moment, the uniforms didn't matter. You know, these were just colleagues. These were friends. These were guys who wanted to support the human being that was, you know, in distress next to them. And, you know, I, I think I, I try to always, you know, point out to people how, you know, these football players, they might be supermen, they might be Adonis, they might be, you know, these giants, but they're, they're real people with real feelings. And, to see the, the Bengals come over and offer their support, and you know, I'm sure that had to be incredibly helpful for the Bills. It, it, it was it was a, a positive feeling on a night where you know most of the feelings were not bad. And, and you know, again, you know, the, the human part of this, you know, how how these players move on, how they you know deal with their friend, their colleague, their teammate going through this this awful tragedy. Um, you know, there, there are more people hurting than, than just DeMar Hamlin's family. It's, it's the big Bills family. And it was nice to see the Bengals step up for that. More around the league has done the same thing. Um, you know, and, and it's going to be hard for everybody. Um, just, you know, remember that, you know, you might be a Bills fan. You might be a fan of the guy in your fantasy team. But you remember the human being in this, too, that there's a, a lot of struggle that's going to be happening from the emotional and the human part of these players going forward. Uh, well said, Thad. And, uh, you know, just like you said, there's no blueprint for, for the NFL to handle something like this. I mean, the same goes for, for you and, you know, and, and what we do with this job. And I, I know that uh, the last couple of days have, have been very difficult for you and your colleagues covering this story. Uh, thank you for your time. Keep up the great work. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again and, and talk Bills football again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. You know, this is the third road trip I've done in the last month and a half where I didn't travel on the days I expected to travel. The days were added or times were changed or something. I mean, I don't know if I've ever done more than one of those in my career. I've done three in a month and a half. It's been bananas. Yeah, yeah, going back to going back to Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that one and then the Bears game and, and just and now this one too. Yeah. All right, well, hang in there. Try to get some rest. And, uh, and there he is, our good friend Thad Brown from WROC in Rochester. And uh, with that, we will take a time out here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.